0: This is the Canadian Taxpayers Podcast. We're dedicated to lower taxes, less waste, and more accountable government. I'm joined by my friend and federal director, Franco Terrazzano. I'm Chris Sims. I'm the BC director. So we're going to take a deep dive into the new liberal government's uh, gun grab, or their so-called buyback program. We're going to get right down into that, uh, as far as how much money they're going to be spending on that. And in Waste Watch, we've got an awful story for you about wasting thousands of dollars on some fancy bureaucrats, fancy bathroom. Yeah. We actually spent money on that. Uh, first let's get to fun stuff. Franco, how's it going? Are you in a hotel room? Have you moved to Ottawa yet? What's happening?
1: Yeah, no, I am in a hotel room. I don't know if you can uh, hear the fan going on right now. So I'm, I'm really sorry if you can, but you know what? A few things. One, it's like a million degrees in here. So I don't know, deal with it. And two, and and more importantly is I have no idea how to turn off the fan. So the fan's going (laughs) to stay on. Um, but you know what, Zimmerman? I'm doing so good for for so many different reasons. I mean, number 1, it's Calgary Stampede. I'm loving it. I'm having a good time here. Uh number 2, I'm not a huge soccer fan, but Italy just won the Euro, so Franco's happy. And number 3, it's it's my last day before I officially move to Ottawa and I can't wait to hit the ground running out there. So, Franco's doing good.
0: <laughs> oh, you'll have a lot of fun when you get to Ottawa. Uh you have to try shawarma if you hadn't had it yet um ottawa does shawarma best it's basically lebanese fast food uh you can get beef or chicken and it puts it in a flat wrap with garlic it is just it's the best part of ottawa it helps take the sting out of the the wastefulness out there uh out here things are good it's actually really quite nice in bc right now most places are mask free you get to see people smiling in the grocery store again uh things knock wood or getting more back to normal. Uh, So that's really good good to see. Um, What really stuck, though, is our gas prices. If I can just go on a bit of a work rant here. Our gas prices uh, in Vancouver are more than $1.70 per liter. So even if we're just filling up our simple minivan uh, or our sedan, our family sedan, it costs us more than a hundred bucks. It's super expensive and it's actually putting a ding in a lot of people's travel plans. And so that's really starting to hit people's bottom lines. A lot of folks uh, aren't really able to foot their bills right now because often they used to cross the border to go down to the States to fill up on their commuter fuel. And that of course has been shut down for a year and a half. They're not allowed to cross the border. And here we are stuck with the highest gas price in North America and I must point out it's actually the highest gas taxes in North America. It's about 68 cents per liter. So that even beats, you know, crazy California for gas taxes. So that's one of the the downers out here. Other than that, though, the weather is fine and people are enjoying it.
1: You know, Simmer, whenever I hear about gas prices out in the lower mainland, for, for some reason, I always think about supply, right? Yeah. Of course, right? I mean, Alberta, BC, we've 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 had some good back and forth over supply issues, pipelines, Trans Mountain. And it really brings to mind just, you know, being in Alberta for the last day, it just really brings to mind Keystone XL and, and what happened there with, where you had President Biden. He pulled the plug uh, on Keystone XL and it really just comes to mind, you know, how important it actually is to clean up our own backyard, right? To make sure that we can actually get stuff built in Canada without dragging taxpayers further and further into debt. You know, unfortunately we have the Trudeau government making that harder with Bill C-69, the no more pipelines law, Bill C-48, the discriminatory tanker ban, you know, Mm -hmm. I could probably go on and on and on, but there is something else that I'd like to chat about when it comes to gas prices and taxes. And I got my notes here because it's it's pretty mind boggling. So the parliamentary budget officer, it's like the government's independent budget watchdog. They looked at how much it would actually cost to meet Trudeau's environment uh, targets. And they said that we would need like an additional $91 per ton carbon tax or an equivalent of that, right? So maybe not a carbon tax, but some type of cost that is an equivalent to an extra $91 per ton. And that's on top of the $170 per ton carbon tax that Trudeau has already announced uh, by 2030. So you add all of that up. And I mean, we're going to be dinged for policies that cost an equivalent to a $261 per ton carbon tax. Absolutely crazy.
0: That's Nuts. When you break that down, I was looking at that math that you sent my way a couple of days ago. And if you break that down, that's about 60 cents per liter, just in the carbon taxes on gas. Crazy. So if you're filling up that minivan we mentioned, or even your family sedan, that's about 40 bucks per fill up just in those carbon taxes. And folks who are watching who aren't in BC, I can't stress to you enough. Um, people fill up their vehicles for everyday life and it's unaffordable here. Like people, I I heard one lady actually gasp when she was at the gas station next to me the other day, because we commute all the time as well. People go downtown to Vancouver all the time here from the Fraser Valley. So if you want an unaffordable lifestyle, have these kinds of carbon taxes. That's just crazy. We can't afford this across Canada. Um, Speaking of other gigantic costs, this really blew my mind. We really need to talk about Trudeau's gun grab. So we just saw that report from the government's independent watchdog that suggests that it could cost taxpayers hundreds of millions of dollars. It's more than the politicians even said it was going to cost. This is all on the so-called gun buyback program. So we need to dive into that. Okay, so we've been hammering away at Trudeau's gun buyback program recently, and I think this will remind quite a few of our listeners of the boondoggle. It was the long gun registry that happened a few years back in the mid-1990s. If you rewind any of those tapes, it was nuts. That was a taxpayer nightmare. It wound up costing us around $2 billion, and it didn't make us any safer, and they eventually scrapped the long gun registry. So you were sending me some of these documents, and you were taking a close look at them. Why do you think think that it's important for us to fight Trudeau on this? I mean, we have our hands full with other things. Why are we diving into the gun issue?
1: Well, there's going to be some huge costs with Trudeau's latest gun policy, right? That gun buyback. And, and we're now learning that it could be up to $550 million more than what we were first told it was going to cost. Yeah, hundreds of millions of dollars more than what we were told, right? Uh, the Liberal Party, when they introduced this in their platform, they said it was going to cost about 200 million dollars and then we heard the minister in charge of this file say it'd be eh, somewhere between 300 and 400 million dollars and now you know we've talked about the parliamentary budget officer before it seems like they're working overtime over there (laughs) because they just came out with a new report that says that trudeau's gun buyback could cost up to 756 million dollars and that's just that's just money to reimburse gun owners that's not the full cost of this thing so really we're, two, we're, we're coming up on two years since this policy was first announced. We know it's going to be hundreds of millions of dollars more than what it was originally supposed to cost. But we still don't know the full cost. Still don't know yeah. the full cost.
0: This is nuts. So you're over 700 million, you're clocking in on a billion dollars. And this stupid thing isn't even off the ground yet. Um, if you take a hard look at it, It's giving us serious flashbacks to the long gun registry and I need to be clear, actually, because a lot of folks call it a buyback and they mean that innocuously. This is not a buyback. This is seizure of private property. I am a firearms owner. Those are my guns. I sure as heck didn't buy them from the government. The government didn't give them to me, so they're not buying them back. Uh, If they took them, they'd just be taking them. So. If we take a look at this from a policy perspective, though, can you explain how the program could go hundreds of millions of dollars over budget without even including the full costs? Like, how does that even work? Yeah,
1: I mean, you know what's kind of funny about this, uh, Simmer, is that we're both really coming at this from different perspectives, right? You're you're an actual legal gun owner. I I, I wouldn't even know what to do if I had a gun. You know, I, I have no idea. Um, but what I do know is a boondoggle when I can when I hear one, and, and this is definitely going to be a boondoggle. And let me just go one step back, just for all of us non gunning owning uh, Canadian taxpayers out there like me. So essentially, what's going on right now is Trudeau is is banning a certain type of legal guns. And then what he's going to do is, is he's going to use taxpayers' money, our hard-earned income, to reimburse those legal gun owners. And, and I have to make this clear is that in this program, Trudeau is targeting law-abiding Canadians. And here's where that's up to $756 million comes in. So that is just the cost just to reimburse legal gun owners for their guns right but it doesn't actually consider the cost actually administer this thing right hiring the bureaucrats hiring the extra police officers um, collection points to collect the guns transportation costs to actually transport the guns Um, and and you know what the parliamentary budget officer they said they couldn't figure out those extra administration costs because apparently the government has no idea how much that's actually going to cost
0: You know, this just adds on to the problems. I mean, we're already a trillion dollars in debt. Um, This government, it just seems to take blowing money to an Olympic sport, here they are wasting money and we still don't even know how this thing's even going to work or not work. And we have examples of how this won't work. Like we have New Zealand, for example, those admin costs got out of hand real fast. They were nearly double by the time they were finished, uh, based on what the government had initially been estimating. Um, They destroyed people's firearms, sometimes right in front of them. Uh, I've seen video of it where the person hands it in. Again, this is a legal law-abiding firearms owner. They hand it in and they watch as they just take the barrel and bend it around In some cases, this firearm has been in their family for years. It's quite something. And we're not even really sure about compliance. Uh, I've been reading articles and doing a few interviews here and there. And apparently right around the time of the so-called buyback or the banning, there is a big run on like 12-inch diameter PVC piping. So Mm. not so sure if they had a big plumbing problem there in New Zealand or if this was a coincidence that happened along with people not wanting to hand in the firearms. So how do we actually have a good estimate on how much Trudeau's gun grab is actually going to cost or are we sticking to the 700 million mark here?
1: Well, no, it's we do know it's 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 likely gonna be way more expensive than that, right? So we don't have numbers from the government. The government okay. hasn't been able to provide taxpayers with the actual number of this program. Just just uh, some estimate on how much it's gonna be just to reimburse legal gun owners. But fortunately, um, the Fraser Institute, they have a professor there from Simon Frazier University. He has looked into this. And what's really important here is that he says, if you just look at the cost to reimburse gun owners, it's gonna be it's gonna fall way short because he says the most expensive part of this type of program is the staffing costs, the actual cost to administer the program. And, and when he looked at those costs, this professor from Simon Fraser University, he said that staffing administration costs could, could run between $1.6 billion um, all the way up to close to five billion dollars. So yeah, I mean, it's absolutely staggering when you include the full cost of this program, we could be talking about in the billions and billions of dollars.
0: This is just going to be the boondoggle of the long gun registry all over again and for for folks who weren't around for that um that was introduced by then the cretchen government uh liberal prime minister jean cretchen back in 1995 uh back then i remember this distinctly because my family you have always been firearms owners and we grew up on hunted meat um we were told that it would cost around two million dollars and it wound up costing more than two billion dollars with a B. So that conversion was pretty hard to take. We blew a lot of money on that. It was eventually scrapped by the Harper government. Um, $2 billion, that's easy to say, but it's actually tough to understand. So to give folks an idea of how much money that is, that would take you 200 years to count to 2 billion. If you started right now, one, two, three, four, it would (laughs) take you 200 years sitting here. That's how much money they blew on that mess. And again, it didn't make us any safer. Um, And the CTF, taxpayers federation back then we were just in our infancy but man we played a big role in that Uh, we played a big role in killing the long gun registry we petitioned the auditor general to audit the program and her office at the time did so twice and they found that the program was a huge boondoggle Uh, we helped uncover that crazy misspending and we kept pressure on the conservatives until they eventually scrapped that program it could have easily fallen off the wayside but we kept the pressure on and we need, need to do that again
1: yeah, and, and we will. And this fits squarely within our mandate, right? I mean, number one is the obvious. We just talked about the costs. This could come into the billions and billions of dollars. And, and I mean, that's so important right now. I mean, it's not like this government has a ton of money. It's not like this government has money just growing on trees, although maybe Trudeau thinks that's how uh, his tax dollars are gonna be coming in, but that's not the case, right? We're more than a trillion dollars in debt. And then on top of the huge costs for this program to taxpayers, is maybe the more important issue is that this is not going to make Canadians safer. It is not going to make Canadians safer, even though it's going to cost us a ton of money. I mean, for starters, if you look at some of the data, uh, we, we do have some from 2018. About half of the gun murders in Canada from 2018 came from handguns. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you look at some other data, and it's upward past 70% of the crime that is committed uh, with guns or gun-related c- crime actually happens from firearms that cross the border from the United States illegally. So it, it seems to me, just looking at some of the numbers, that the two major problems here are our handguns and are the illegal flow of guns across the border. And guess what? Neither of those two massive issues are addressed by Trudeau's gun buyback.
0: Yeah, you make a huge point here. Uh, the vast majority of uh, gun incidents uh, that are illegal involve illegal guns, both illegally owned handguns and those illegal guns that come across the border. Uh, not that many Canadians own handguns, but some of us do. Uh, it's called getting your restricted license, and you have to go through even more hoops to do that. You have to register with the local RCMP. They know where you live. They can enter your home at any time, actually, and you have to keep them safely stored, all that. Jazz. if you're a handgun owner, uh, most of us uh, firearms owners uh, have our non-restricted and that's for long guns. So that's for things like shotguns and rifles. Um, it's a normal way of life for a lot of people, especially in rural and Western Canada. Like I said, I'm a firearms owner. All of my extended family nearly are all firearms owners, like all my cousins and that. Um, So there's a lot you need to go through. And I just want to reassure people who are watching who may not be firearms owners. You can't just walk into a gun shop in Canada and buy one off the rack. It's not like you're buying a skateboard here. (laughs) Like you have to apply and you have to go through a major criminal records check. They do a deep background check. If you want to own even just a a deer rifle in this country, you have to go through a course and who is it's usually taught by either an active duty or a retired RCMP member or a former member of the Canadian Armed Forces. Um, You need to go through all of that. And then on top of that, there's lots of storage rules. If I want to go to the range, I need to arrange to do that. I need to transport it safely. So my point is there is a lot of rules and permissions that go along with being a legal law-abiding firearms owner in Canada. You even need to have special tags if you want to go for certain games. Like if you want to go hunt a moose or a bear, you can't just go out and shoot a moose or a bear. You have to apply for things on top of that. So it's very heavily regulated. Lots and lots of rules around guns in Canada. So if you're seizing legally owned firearms, that's like taking the car keys away from people who are stone cold sober and wanting to drive their legally owned cars because some knuckleheads uh, get drunk and steal vehicles. That's the equivalent here. It makes zero sense. And the government is gonna try to manage it on top of all this. So on top of them trying to seize legally owned property from like hyper law abiding citizens in Canada, like we're big on rules, they're actually gonna try to manage it themselves. This is gonna be the Phoenix pay program with firearms involved, and it's going to really supersize wasteful spending here.
1: Yeah. And you know, I'm not a hunter. I don't know anything about hunting. I don't know <laughs> anything about guns. But
0: I could make you a mean <laughs> moose stew, man, though. You'd like I, it. You know,
1: I'm sure, I'm sure you can. I, I'm sure I would. But here's the thing: I don't think too many gang members are gonna be, you know, champing at the bit to go to a government office to hand over <laughs> Trudeau, their illegally acquired firearms. I don't think that's going to happen. Right. Um, but the thing is, I mean, don't take it from the taxpayer people about safety, take it from the people who are on the front lines who every day are, are out there trying to keep us safe. And what they say is they say that this program is going to be ineffective. Now the, the RCMP union has been putting out a ton, a ton of good material on this. And, and, and they say that Trudeau's gun buyback back. It's not, it's not going to address the the root issues here right it's not going to address criminal activity it's not going to stop gang activity and it's not going to stop that illegal flow of guns across the border with the united states and so they say it's not going to make us safer but here is is where it's really important not only will trudeau's gun grab not make us safer it could actually make things worse and and let me just read a quote Uh, for you here from the RCMP union. So these are the mountain the Mounties. Here's what they said, quote, it diverts extremely important personnel resources and funding away from addressing the more immediate and growing threat of criminal use of illegal firearms. So let me just break that down. They say that this gun buyback could divert resources away from actually cracking down on crime to and a very ineffective type of program, which is which is awful for us, right? Um, so not only will it not improve safety, it could actually reduce safety. And, and Simmer, you know, uh, earlier on in this uh, segment, we talked about how the gun buyback could cost up to $756 million, and that's just part of the cost. Well, I crunched the numbers, and, and for that money, we could be able to hire more than 1,200 police officers for five years. So Whoa. I mean, the, so the question is, I mean, what would you rather have? Would you rather have an extremely expensive program that targets law abiding Canadians? Or would you have rather have more than 1200 cops on the streets?
0: <laughs> well, I hadn't even crunched those numbers before. That's nuts. I think the answer is obvious. You'd want more cops on the street. You want more cops on the street and at the border, uh, making sure that we're not getting the legal flow of guns over top of the border and making sure that gangbangers aren't using illegal firearms to hurt each other or other members of the public. It just... You know, it seems like a no-brainer. And on top of all of this, taxpayers can't afford to pay, take on this expensive and useless registry or even part of the buyback program. It, it just sounds really silly. Um, if, so for folks who want to know more about this, we've actually got an ebook that's out right now on the gun buyback or the firearm seizure, whatever phrase you want to use. Uh, we're going to include it in the show notes. So if you want to go take a deeper dive into that, go check that out and be sure to share it with all of your legal firearms owning friends, because if we don't rally around this and push back, uh, it's just going to go through. We're not going to be safer. Our property is going to be seized and we're (laughs) going to waste around a billion dollars or more. And please help us fight uh, Trudeau on this gun grab. Uh, Go to our website and sign our petition, which we will, of course, include in the show notes. Okay, let's lighten up. It's time for Waste Watch. Uh, That last segment really made me mad. Uh, So this is when we talk about politicians and bureaucrats uh, wasting your money and flushing it away, so to speak. (laughs) Uh, So that works, of course, because our story is actually about a really lavish lavatory. Uh, Franco, so you're all set. You're actually in a hotel room. You're all packed and ready to go to Ottawa. Are you ready, my friend, for the gold-plated bidets on Bank Street, which await you?
1: Oh, man. Oh, man. Uh, I don't think I'm ready for a $19,000 washroom. So let me just take a step back here. Crazy. We saw this. It was originally reported by Blacklocks Reporter. Man, are they ever doing a good job digging up a bunch of government waste? They are in the business of government waste, just like we are, it seems. And uh, I guess business is pretty good there. So <laughs> let me take a step back. $19,000 was paid so a bureaucrat, an executive bureaucrat, could have their own bathroom. It's almost like you have bureaucrats in Ottawa who are watching our show and are just teeing us up for a bunch of jokes about flushing our tax dollars down the toilet.
0: Yeah, no kidding. This had better be a gold-plated toilet. Uh, Did uh, Donald Trump install this? I have to ask. This is just ridiculous. Uh, Honestly, how did they spend this much money? I will say, um, if you haven't spent a lot of time in Ottawa, flying out there and landing there from Western Canada is kind of a shock. You wander around Parliament Hill, and the thought that came to my mind is, oh, this is where all of our money is going. But I wasn't expecting uh, $19,000 on one bathroom. i got to ask what kind of fixtures must have been in here. Uh, Why is it that a bureaucrat is actually getting an executive washroom. Why do they need an executive washroom?
1: Yeah, well this was the uh well first, they don't need an executive washroom. Let's just <laughs> nope. let's just uh say that one right off the top. Now, this executive washroom was supposed to be for the head of the public health uh, agency, right? And, and she was earning over 270,000 <laughs> So, I mean, just the salary alone, a huge six figure salary, and then a $19,000 for your own executive washroom. Absolutely crazy. Um, Now she eventually ended up leaving that position and uh, well, don't feel too bad. Don't shed a tear because she landed in a lateral position. uh, Also bringing in that uh, $270,000 plus salary. So life's not too hard over there
0: talk about a golden parachute right over to another you know bureau drawer that's just unbelievable so we need to make fun of her once she gets an executive bathroom over there too uh but i wanted to ask like are, do you hear this kind of stuff coming out of Ottawa frequently? Like every time I try to scratch beneath the surface on spending, it seems, and we send in an A tip or an FOI, as we call them, uh, they seem to just constantly waste money. And it's stuff like this that really bothers people because they can relate to it. They ask themselves, gee, you know, where is my washroom when I'm at work? Usually it's obviously, you know, shared by staff. Most yeah. people don't get an executive washroom. And frankly, this is not Apple. This is not Google. She's not running Ford Motor Company. She's a bureaucrat. She does not need a, a corner bathroom.
1: Yeah, I mean, and now she's in the Department of Employment. And like, we don't know. I mean, of course, we are going to keep an eye out to see if she gets her own uh, executive bathroom over there. We're, we got our investigative journalist, uh, James Wood. He's going to be filing a bunch of FOIs when it comes to all this. And, and we're going to keep poking our noses uh, and just seeing if there's any other executive washrooms that are being built on our, on our money but You know, you mentioned Ottawa, you mentioned, Oh, when you're there, Oh, this makes sense. This is where all of our tax dollars go to die. And just one story that just comes to mind here is, and we talked about this on the show is, is the renovations for parliament hill, right? Uh, costing what $5 billion to renovate center block. And and like, okay, we understand that you have to keep these buildings in good shape, but $5 billion to me, it just seems like these bureaucrats just don't understand that taxpayers work really hard for our money. Um, because it doesn't seem to me like, like they're making a conscious effort to try to do things as efficiently as possible.
0: Yeah, exactly. There's center block. And the one that always jumps out at me was the skating rink. Crazy. (laughs) Them spending money on a skating rink on parliament hill when the world's longest skating rink is literally like a slap shot away that was unbelievable at the Rideau Canal. It's just nuts. Absolutely. So uh, get used to it. Unfortunately, once you land there, you will be shocked every time you look around at the amount of waste. Uh, But folks, if you're listening and watching this and it's driving you crazy, we understand. But you can either laugh or cry. So instead of crying about it, laugh along with us. Be sure to head over to our website, taxpayer.com. We actually have a really cool store there and you can buy swag. You can buy shirts, you can buy hats, uh, you can buy jackets even. And uh, be sure to check out our show notes and we'll give you a 15% off promo code and uh, you can save some money there.
1: Yeah. And you know, before we, we let you off the hook, we just got to say, thank you so much for watching. Thanks. Uh, We we really enjoy it. We really enjoy being able to kind of laugh about waste watch and hammer these politicians when they, when they spend our money in crazy ways. So we hope you enjoy the show as well. And we have to give out a huge thank you to our investigative journalist, James Wood. We also got grant the video guy who's helping us with some editing. He does some great job. So, so thanks fellas. We really appreciate your work and we really appreciate you um, making it sound like we know what we're talking about. And one last thing before, before we go, please, please, please like, share, subscribe and share this video and this podcast with your friends and family so more taxpayers can join the fight.
0: Catch you next week.
1: Hi, I'm Scott Henning, President of the Canadian Taxpayers Federation. If you've got another minute, I'd like to ask you to think about the one person you know that would really enjoy listening to this podcast. Do us a favour and do them a favour and send them a quick note to let them know about it. At the Canadian Taxpayers Federation, we believe there is power in numbers. That's why we've worked so hard to build an army of taxpayers who are ready to push back. And we did it because people like you shared our work with that one person that they knew would really appreciate taking part. Thanks for listening, and thanks for doing your part to make Canada a better place.